1: I love scotch. I love scotch.
0: Scotchy, scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. SignatureHorror.com. That's right, SignatureHorror.com Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith.
2: Hi, I'm Lynn Shea, and you have been listening to Crazy Train Radio. They're not so crazy, though. They're awesome.
0: Hey, folks. It's your least favorite host in the podcast world, your croc, Jonathan Steele boy do we have a good one for you today. This next guest's legendary film career has spanned over 40 years as she has become one of the most beloved and dependable names in horror and in comedy. Over the years she has turned out memorable performances but in more recent years has become known for her role as Elise Raynor, the lifebug of the Insidious movie franchise. Her latest film, The Call, is now out on VOD and features another iconic performance in this blend of different horror sensibilities. This guest, Lynn Shea.
2: So nice to thank you for inviting me at this tumultuous time where we're all experiencing in some ways. And it's wonderful to feel that films, you know, that our, our entertainment value is still of great value and that um, it's, I'm grateful to have something being released now that entertains people and uh, takes them out of reality a little bit and puts them into the, into the further, so to speak, even though it's not an insidious film. So thank you.
0: Yes, but, you know, it's interesting. I would say that's more important now than ever, the entertainment side of things, because of how things have been since earlier this year. I agree. But we might as well address the elephant in the room. As we sit here, it is November 2nd, and for Elena's in Ireland but has been watching the news and everything like that. What's been going on. What were we talking about right before as we were jumping in there, Lynn. We'll get uh, the serious stuff out of the way.
2: Okay, um, tomorrow is a very important day. for. I, it's going to make me, I'm really emotional about it, not just our country. I mean, I really feel we've slid so far away from the values that I hold it, not just as a human being, but um, you know, within, within my profession, within the way I treat myself, the way I treat other people, how I feel about the world, how I feel about um, the, the big issues. And, um, you know, what it's hard to discuss because there are plenty of people who don't feel like I do and feel that our economy is what's the most important thing, which it is very important or whatever other reasons that these, um, the people that are voting on the other side of the aisle from the, the aisle I live on basically. Um, but I feel the most important thing is, is humanity and human values. And that's what I really feel has been just just uh, torn up into little shreds over the last four years. And so I'm very nervous about tomorrow. I would really like to see a new a new regime and our old regime, which, holds people high in value and not just uh, money. And um, so uh, I'm worried, you know, and I think, I think there's going to be, I'm afraid also for for violence, that there might be uh, some violence that might occur, depending on how the election turns out. And um, anyway, so it's a big deal. I mean, this is a a huge, huge thing, because it's not just, it's not just our country, I think. Uh, Donald Trump has affected the whole world and our position in the world and the way people feel about each other and, and the outside, the outside, outside of our country that embracing humanity and it it has sort of been lost. So anyway, now we could talk about movies. (laughs) I
0: I will say this, because this will be out tomorrow, but either way, make sure you go out and vote.
2: Totally. You know what? Thank you. That rather than even discussing, you know, I did do something um, which I'd never done before. Um, there was a company that um, they delivered postcards to you that were beautiful, actually, for all the swing states, and they gave us what to write on the card. And I mean, this will, I'm I'm a de- you know I'm I'm for Joe Biden. I am a Democrat, and but that wasn't what they were asking you to write. They were just saying the content of the card is. We all, no matter, we all care about our families, no matter our color, our gender, or our age. And there are some politicians who want to divide us and it, it, and to um, prevent things like affordable health care, clean water, good schools, and to go out and vote. That's all it says. It doesn't say vote for Biden. It doesn't say vote for Trump. It just says, think about those things in your life that are important, which is schooling, which is good health, and which is clean water I mean things like that so um that was very uh it was interesting because it was about just go out and then the end of it is let's all join together and vote let's vote we have to vote so thank you for that
0: yes uh elena i know you wanted to bring something up before we get into some of the other oh, fun sorry. stuff that you saw on a <laughs> note so why don't you uh start off
1: Oh, sure. Um, Hi, Lynn. Hi, Laina.
2: Nice to see you.
1: It's so nice to meet you.
2: Nice to meet you. And you look beautiful, by the way. Oh, my God. Thank you. So do you, (laughs) Lynn. Thank you. Okay. Well, now we're good. Now we're ready (laughs) to go. We're
1: ready to go. But um, I just wanted to ask on the comedy side before, you know, we probably delve into the horror aspect, but um I really loved um there's something about Mary mm-hmm. <laughs> I really I really loved like The look and everything could you tell me about like what they did or you know play oh the
2: Farrelly well the Fairley brothers that listen it really is it's it's creepy it was so long ago it feels like it feels like not that long ago I met the Farrelly's it was a very interesting I'll, I'll try and make a short version of it but my my big brother Bob Shea is was started New Line Cinema in 1968 a long time ago and the Farrelly brothers came to him with Dumb and Dumber which they'd shopped around. Pete had never directed anything, and my brother had the foresight to go, "This is a funny movie, and let's get Jim Carrey, and let's get, um, let's get this great team together." Jeff Daniels, and um, I, he basically said to Pete, uh, "Put my brother in your, in put my sister in your movie." which was, uh, um, and he didn't really tell me that. I just got this call that I was supposed to go do this little part in this in this movie with Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey. And of course I was very excited. From there, um, a- after that was Kingpin. And Kingpin is <laughs> a whole long story. They did not want to see me for it. The characters described as the angriest, ugliest woman God ever let loose on the planet. <laughs> I'll never forget that description. And I created that character in my bedroom over six weeks, no joke, with the eyelashes coming out of my nostrils, with the it's greasy hair, with the yellow teeth, with the dirty fingernails, because I kept thinking what's what could make me be the worst possible. And I couldn't get an audition. And finally, at the last minute, because they, they kept saying we love your work, you did a great job in Dumb and Dumber, but you know we just don't think you're right for this. So. I finally called one of the producers on the phone that I'd met during Dumb and Dumber. And he said, well, okay, well, we'll set you, you know, we really don't think you're right for this, but I said, I have a whole presentation. So I went in as Mrs. Dumars and they were on the floor. I mean, I I pulled it off and I got the job, cut to, it's still my favorite thing I've ever done, period. It just is, and partly partly because of that journey. But then, um, then I saw that they were doing this other movie you know, with with, uh, Cameron Diaz and with Ben Stiller and and, um, Matt Dillon. I thought, oh, my God, you know, so and I saw that there was this character of an old lady. So I thought, well, I played a pretty good old lady, (laughs) a pretty disgusting old lady a little while ago. And they made me audition. And but they hired me. And so um, I was so excited. I mean, they, Pete, they're both amazing people. I mean, in every way possible um they're really charitable men they're funny they're kind they're smart um and they they were gathering force you know because again dumb and dumber was their very first movie so by the time we got to something about mary and cameron who is just the best i mean all and ben too and also matt i mean the the three of them were really um just a delight to work with and i was in florida for i think it was I think I was there eight weeks. So um, shooting this. And of course, the makeup and all the you know, that was like five hours of makeup every day with all the latex and everything. But, you know, you never know what's going to work. And again, it's that thing of there's some drive hopefully we all have about what's important to us. And I, I'm grateful that I put that much energy out on behalf of not just myself but on behalf of the characters that which which really were just uh, they fascinated me the descriptions fascinated me and um it has become i mean real. i, I actually still have the boobs <laughs> i ha- i mean if you want to wait i'll bring them out <laughs> they're hanging in my office <laughs> i would love to see them you want me to get them You're, oh, seriously sorry. okay i'll be right back
0: <laughs> meep meep New twist and turn here, that's for sure. (laughs) Wasn't expecting this one, but what in the hell? We might as well run with it. This is the best thing ever.
2: (laughs) Now be careful. These are going to be kind of pornographic.
0: (laughs) We're off to a great start.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hope you can see them, because they're pretty big, but hold up. Let me see if I can put this in oh
0: my god, Holy shit, look at that.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. And it has a little plaque that says, Magda's Boobs, <laughs> Yeah, it says, Magda's Boobs, there's something about Mary, 1998.
0: Nice set of hooters you got
2: there. I beg your pardon? So and she's got Here they this- are, folks. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that, that, is, that is just wonderful. <laughs> Um, so, and not everybody gets to see them. So you're very special. <laughs> very special. Very
0: uh, I can't believe I was just flashed by Lynn Shay. She's a girl who knows where she's going.
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny because, you know, they're obviously they're on a leotard and it was a latex piece. Tony Gardner, who did all the prosthetics um, for the movie. You um, know, it was a whole mold they did, and then, then they created this, and of course it's that one scene. I actually have some photos from it too that are great, but, um, and at the end of the day, so he did the, most of the um, the work that they hid was, was right, you know, where the latex piece hit my chest, and they had to make it look like, so it was all one piece, of course. So at the end of the day, I went to take off the leotard, because I undid the you know, you take use a a product to get the latex off of yourself. And I threw them in the garbage. I threw the, you know, I put the leotard in, I just threw the whole thing away. And I was just about to get in the van to go back to the hotel. And I thought I should, I should hang on to those. They're probably worth more than my house right now. (laughs) So there are certain fans that would pay top dollar for that. (laughs) Really? I
1: would say there would be a lot of people who would want photo
2: ops (laughs) really but you know it's anyway I'm and sometimes I can't believe my own history you know it's uh it all starts to feel like a dream as you get older I think especially and I've had we've all had a lot of time to think about our past present and future these last nine months oh my god oh
0: absolutely Um, But it sounds like that you truly love the process in terms of acting and becoming a character, as we just saw.
2: (laughs) It's totally true. I do love it. I truly, truly love it. Do you
0: find it, I've heard you state in other conversations that you feel that acting is the, or I should say it this way, it's being in a safe place to tell your deepest truth. Can you explain that a little bit?
2: Yes, I can. Thank you. I, I actually just said that to someone just the other day as well. Um I really try to find the heart of the character. It's not just for it's really an important process to me. It's not just learning lines and you know, earning a salary for, you know, uh, an, you know, to, to, to have some fun a couple days with craft services, you know, and and good and other wonderful actors. I really I'm I have a real responsibility i feel to the characters i play and the story that i'm telling and i try only to pick projects that i have that feeling for you know that's really got a heart to it and something to say it, it's still a, a social it, art is very social it's about communicating to other people how you feel about things and i think it's a very powerful arena that, because you can you there's an opportunity to express something that you think that maybe nobody else does about that person. You know, maybe it's a, I don't know, any character, a homeless person, a, a queen, you know, any, but that there's still some it, within the story, there's an, there's an exploration of your, your your emotions and your intellect. You know, you're, you're both trying to tell the story that you're, you're hired to do, but at the same time, you're trying to tell your personal truth within that. And in real life, sometimes we get punished for telling the truth. Um, It's it's difficult. People, even with your mates, you know, we all hide things that we don't really want to share because there might be repercussions. You know, you tell somebody how you really feel and you can end a friendship. You can under relationship, you tell someone politically the way you really feel, it, it starts a fight, you know, you're in all of a sudden, you don't want that person doesn't want to talk to you anymore or whatever. And in, in our world of art, and of which I, I consider certainly acting an art, you're congratulated for telling the story in the fullest fashion with your deepest truth. And I don't feel satisfied until I feel I've, I've reached way deep inside myself and express something that I might not be able to express anywhere else. So it's a very exciting process. And I feel very fortunate to be able to, I think that keeps you healthy too. I think it's, it's important to tell the truth and your sanity, that's for sure. It does. And it's, it's your emotional content is is connected to telling the truth, the way you feel and the way your heart beats. And, you know, I mean, even You know, even though you're acting, you're not really acting your body doesn't know you're acting, you know, your body. Ha- I mean, you flush and you cry or you, you know, you, you tense up or you, you your, your whole system goes on goes on full you know, th- full throttle when you work, or at least when I work. And I think with most good actors, that's the truth, you know, and it sometimes takes you away where you go, wow, where did that come from? Well, it came from you hitting the dots that you've created. And suddenly things are unleashed within you that you might not even have expected. Well,
0: with that, how would you say everybody's process is different? Obviously, right but how do you keep your eye on the scene and try to stay in a moment when you're working on a particular role?
2: That's a hard question to answer because a lot of it comes from your environment in the scene itself. You know, when sometimes you work on something in your living room and when you get to set and you see what's around you, it opens up a whole nother world to you. There's objects, you know, you've got a a bottle, you've got, you know, you've got things around you, you've suddenly got a pen and you, you know, there's, 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 um, physical activities that come from the, the, the elements around you, which ground you, which also do put you in the scene. Um, and the other actor, you know, or the other, if it's a monologue or if it's something just with yourself, those become very important things. You know, there's, you can make a scene work by the way you, you know that you can tell a lot by the way you handle a pen you know the way you handle it you know you might want to stab somebody you want to stab yourself with it you, you know you want to put it behind your ear you know you're there's suddenly you, you, your imagination opens up depending on the, the the objects around you when you're dealing with another actor you're you're being presented with their thought their emotions their their um uh, the character they have designed you don't always know the way they're gonna do their just because that you know the lines they may say you have no idea what they're going to do with those lines and you have to stay open and fresh to react to that oh, i'm sorry about that I'll just forget it um <laughs> so, so i think that's that's really i'm sorry is that going to make you crazy no, <laughs> can i it? turn it off can you no. blo- blo- i don't even know where my phone is yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh. Anyway, I'm sorry yeah. about that, but- It's okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I, so I feel that uh, you're, there are elements in the scene that ground you, that keep you focused on, on what you're doing. And you also have to be able to be open to surprise yourself. I think that's the most that's one of the most exciting parts about acting to me, is when I actually haven't planned something and something happens that surprises me and, and opens up sort of opens the floodgates, so to speak, you know, of, of creativity.
0: Well, speaking of working off your coworkers and such, I want to bring up the call again, which now yes. is out on a VOD for people to see now working with Tobin Bell, who is such an accomplished actor himself. Right. What was it like working for working with
2: Tobin? Tobin. Tobin, I've never met Tobin and I joke and I say, but but we're children of the same, from the same uh, parents, which is Lee Winnell and James Wan, (laughs) because they did the whole Saw series and they also did the whole Insidious series, very independent of each other. And Tobin and I had never met, you know, but, but they really created, I mean, those guys gave me over the last 10 years, they reopened my career. I mean, they you Know just by the nature of the, the four films that I did and was saw, there were like eight or something, there was a million, a million of them, so to speak. And um, so we had never met, and it was actually my manager's idea, The Call, which was written by Patrick Stibbs, um, who lives in Nebraska. And uh, Gina, my Rugula, who's my manager, has a, a client, another client, um, Randy, uh, Randy Goodwin, who actually was one of the producers on the film, also. Um, Patrick gave him the script to give to his manager, which was Gina. And when Gina read the script, she thought, who would be, uh, I, and, and they thought about me for Edith, which I was, you know, which I, I really loved the character actually. Um, and we thought who would be a great husband, you know, who would be a good husband. And it was Gina who thought of Tobin. And I thought that was brilliant because, you know, the two of us have this history, which is sort of mutual. And yet we'd never met and the day we shot our scenes it was just literally one day that one night that we shot those scenes um we sort of said hello It was very sort of polite and uh professional we didn't really talk very much we immediately entered the scene of husband and wife and the dilemma that edith was going through of this harassment and um whose life had been sort of ruined and bullied by these these kids in the town uh with these accusations they um they they had against her and um he was wonderful i mean we i felt 100 percent connected immediately um we took our time with the scene we took our time really seeing each other and feeling what we were each feeling it was really lovely when you work with a an actor as fine as Tobin and um they give you permission to, to be your best, to, to be your best character, to be your best self. And um, we kind of locked in with each other. It was a, uh, There was that one moment where, because I, I think we just discussed this together, originally um, Timothy Woodward Jr., who was our wonderful director, we were going to be sitting on a couch together. And I really didn't want to sit next. I wanted to be alone. I felt like I need. I was already he, heading toward, a really, doing some real damage to myself. I was already separated from him. I wasn't with him anymore. And I think that was a, a, a part of the heart of the scene. So I wanted to be a, a, so that I was in a chair. I really liked that idea that we were not sitting. He couldn't put his arm around me. You know, there was no. We weren't snuggled or you know, swooshed down on a couch together that I was sitting isolated and there's that moment where he comes over and kneels, kneels in front of me, which I think really says so much about the scene and about our relationship. So um, those kinds of things really anchor you into telling the story you wanna tell.
0: Yeah, and it's funny and maybe you can uh, confirm or deny this within this particular project, but would you say the bulk of the film, the fans are following the characters who are honestly more like the the villains do you mean uh, i'm not sure i understand the
2: question exactly Uh, well
0: what i make you think it's going one way with the
2: characters but yet it's a whole different answer by time we get to the end i see i see what you're saying um well, I think that was intentional. you know, the way Timothy chose to tell the story, like originally, since to me, the story's about Edith. <laughs> you know, everybody is like to Tobin is this about Tobin. But um so I kind of thought in the that the movie was gonna start with me being in the, younger, you know, in the child care center with this little girl, and you would see it sort of unfold from there. And I was surprised when Timothy chose to show, the, the other part of Edith that she was already deteriorating first, and you hear the kids talk about her first, you know, about how awful she is. And then you you it unfolds about what the problem of the story is and what what has happened to her. So I thought it was a very a very good way to, to sort of show you, you, sort of, it was kind of, it showed you backwards, you know, it took you backwards. It took you, you don't really learn who Edith is right away, that she is this nice woman, you know, who's got this sweet, you know, who's a sweet person and has a good relationship with her husband. You see her first from the kid's point of view, which I thought was very, uh, very powerful.
0: Uh, Elaine, do you have something to, uh, the look you have in your eyes is like-
1: the look I a young Yes, as a young actress. I'm listening very intently to you, Lynn. It's like um, you should teach your masterclass in acting. Oh, in like what you're saying.
2: Oh, you're so sweet. You know, the other side is I feel like I don't know. I don't know shit. (laughs) 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 I I get in there, go, okay. (laughs) Now, what do we do? And it is always that. There's always that fear. I always am afraid. I'm always afraid. By the way, I, I mean, it's just. It's so scary to me to, to be to have that platform to tell the truth. You know, It's telling the truth is scary. <laughs> so anyway, what, what is your question? Well, I,
1: I didn't really exactly have a question, but I just wanted to say that these moments getting to talk to fellow actors is so inspiring for me, because I'm trying to follow my acting myself over here. And obviously, with lockdown, it's kind of at a bit of a standstill, yes, so it's hard. It's um, really hard. yeah. But just listening to you and your passion for it, I'm inspired by you 10 times more than I was before I even got to talk to you.
2: Thank you. you That makes me feel really good. I'm really struggling right now, too. Although I got to tell you, we did this one project and I can't remember what it's called. I I think it's um, Why We Gathered. um, Why? Why? To, i'm here to tell you why we gathered here it's kind of a long you know we are gathered here today because it's something like that kind of um, a title i feel embarrassed i don't remember it but um the whole thing was a zoom call the whole thing where there were 20 actors i think and it was a wonderful story i think um uh it was about a patriarch who a young, you know, an, an older man, like in, maybe 80, but real virile, you know, had been in the army and was tennis, tennis player. And, you know, a real vibrant guy who gets struck down with COVID and is in the hospital and none of us can visit him. And I play his sister-in-law, his, I'm his wife's uh, sister, And there's a whole group of, and they've got children who have grand, they've got children and grandchildren and how the, this, how COVID affects the whole family. It was really, I thought a brilliant idea. It was all improv. So we'll see. I think uh, I haven't heard any. Um, I know they were, they had hours of, I mean, we did three full days, you know, it's eight hours, six hours a day. (laughs) So they had footage forever, (laughs) you know, but, um, (laughs) It's been, you know, I've also only done um, one other small, I played Ted Bundy's mom in a project, which is oh, wow. <laughs> which going to be very fun. I'm um, Daniel Ferrand. It's called the American Boogeyman. And um, it was just one day shooting. So that was, but I'm also, I, I feel like you do. I feel I'm, uh, I don't really know. And it's going to be scary to go back, you know, I on, on a lot of levels because the joy factor has been, sort of sliced in half by all the protocol. And, oh my God, did she have her mask on? And was she, did, did he talk, you know, was, did he spit on me? Was, You know, there's all this other stuff going on, but go for it, you know, if you love it, don't ever, you know, it, this is just a little hiatus. So you're gonna be fine and dandy.
1: Yeah, it's well, my dream, so.
0: <laughs> go and on, that's Jonathan. why I appreciate her. That's why I appreciate having you here, Elena, okay, uh, to hear some other folks' stories. But curious to know, over your successful career, Lynn, what's been the biggest change that you've seen in not only horror but in the entertainment field?
2: Um, I think it's opened up a lot, actually, to women. You know, in terms of directors and DP. You know, that there's which is a really positive thing. The gender yeah. has sort of m- sort of dissolved a little bit i mean there's still the boys club you know i mean what you know and that's fine i mean but i think that it's more now about your ideas and about content and um and passion you know that those those things have taken over rather than you know uh i mean the, the the industry was pretty driven pretty much only by men for a long time so i think that's been really positive um I think people, there's so many platforms also, which sort of waters things down a little bit. There's so much content. I mean, I look on Netflix and by the time I'm done scrolling through it, I go to bed. I mean, I never even watch anything. You know, there's just, it's just, there's too much. And a lot of it's mediocre, in my opinion, and um, anybody can make a movie now. It's a lot easier. It feels, you know, that there's the equipment has gotten much more sophisticated. Hey, you can shoot a a really terrific film on your iPhone, you know, I mean, and you can do it. I mean, and some of them, I think people have done that. And some of them have been quite successful. And there's all the iTunes and I don't even know the name of all the different platforms. I really don't. Um, But I think also the fact that I miss the movies. I mean, for me, going to a movie, I want to go to the movies. I don't want to watch it on my TV i don't want to watch it on my screen i want to go and i want to have the theater experience and i think that's been lessened i mean i think and now it's non it doesn't even exist right now you know to go to a theater with 25 percent full and you have to worry if the person ate popcorn next to you i mean what kind of fun is that you know but um i suppose i'm assuming we will eventually get out of this thing there will be it's going to be a while though it's not going to be it's going to be a couple of years. I really believe that because even if, when they figure out a way to control COVID it's, it, it's, there's going to be still a lot of problems. So it's a very scary time. Um, and I'm really going to miss the movies. I love, we did go see the call at a drive in. It was, it opened at a drive in here in LA. I went to industry city. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> they just, just get on the freeway and drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, And that was kind of that was fun. I mean, that reminded me of being a kid, actually, because I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and we used to go to the drive in movies with my mom and dad. But we used to have that we didn't do you this you have to listen to on your radio and but we used to get speakers they would put speakers and then the women little um girls with caps on and their little outfits would come and you would give your order for popcorn and hot dogs at the window it was really fun it's not as much fun as that (laughs) anymore but (laughs) you have to go to the concession stand and you have to stand in line so um anyway uh that that was fun but that's still not going into a theater with you know 300 people all screaming at the same time at a horror film or laughing when something about Mary came out. One of the most exciting experiences I I remember ever having, um, it had been open, I think only about a week and it wasn't even that successful yet. That movie gained such momentum over six weeks. It became number one and it was like nowhere in the beginning, nobody really went to see it. But I remember walking into the theater and I was a little bit late and I thought there was an earthquake. People were laughing so hard. You could literally, the theater was shaking. I, I mean, and I'm not joking. And I remember I saw a guy fall out of his seat. <laughs> he was <laughs> laughing so hard. And you, you can't have that experience without going to the movies, you know? That, so I, I'm very disappointed that that has dwindled over, you know, to answer your question, that's something that has gotten much less um, and now it's sort of none doesn't exist at the moment. It'll come back and maybe it'll come back with a vengeance. Maybe people will be dying to go to the movies again, you know, and, um, forget about your iPad and your, I, I'm sorry. I hate all this shit. <laughs> I, mean, for, I am so confused by it. I mean, I wake up in the morning. This is just a little sidebar. I wake up, I'm in a really good mood and I'm good. And then the thing starts binging. And I'm not sure, is it the phone binging? Is it the other thing binging? So first I'm confused. So then I find the binging, but then I can't find what was binging. <laughs> I can't find the, the link or what or who sent me. And then I go to Gmail, but then I go to AOL. And then I'm within a half hour, I'm ready to pull my hair out of my head. And I'm so confused. And I want to go back to bed and start all over again. And, and now, especially with the pandemic, we're so locked into all this stuff. I'm not a happy camper. <laughs> I'm not having a very – I really mean it. I'm really depressed. I mean, I don't sound it now because I'm so happy to be talking to you guys about, you know, things that make me feel good. But um, anyway, thank you for having me. <laughs> but, yeah, appreciate it. But, uh, Can I come uh, over now? <laughs> it's like <laughs> – Come on! I, come on I wish you could, go, you could come over
1: to Ireland, I don't know if the airport... I would been. love
2: to! Oh my god, I rode, I, I rode the Connemara Trail on horseback.
1: Oh yeah?
2: Yeah, that's a whole nother long story, but... we
1: went was, to Connemara? I'm from I Galway. Really,
2: oh, well, we, so we were in Galway. I mean, we, what yeah. a beautiful country. I mean, it was some years ago now, but oh my god, Ireland was one of my very favorite places ever. Well, I didn't know that's where you are. Well, yeah. that, Wonderful you're lucky girl
1: uh, you're a lucky girl to be over where all the acting is like yeah like but you' you'll,
2: you'll, you'll get there don't worry about it don't even <laughs> worry about that part just just you know it's like you follow your nose it's on your face you can't miss it <laughs> <laughs>
0: that. well before we wrap up I want to ask if you, because you would see this on a regular basis. I'd be remiss without asking about your brother, Bob. Of course. Who who founded New Line and everything like that. Do you, and he was always known for being a ballsy kind of guy in terms of not being afraid or a maverick type person. Do you see anything like that within the business side
2: of the industry anymore? That's a great question. I assume there's always individuals that embody that, you know, that are. Um, and, but in terms of the business in general, again, I think it's gotten so fractured. There's so many different ways to tell, you know, that, that there, there's no, it's not focused like it used to be. It used to be, you know, you, you get a script, the script is great. Are you going to get the money for the movie? And you get the money for the movie. And, and then that's that and the movie gets made. And there's just so many distractions now. I think it's hard to to be innovative in the same kind of way. It's innovation in a different kind of way. It's not courage to find a great story. It's what format can we get it on? You know, I think our focus is a bit watered down from that kind of penetration that I think Bob had and New Line had, especially as an early company. Um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven shopped that movie around, you know, for apparently a long time. And Bob was the one who said, "Yeah, let's do it," and they did it. And look what it did. You know, I mean, Robert Englund has become, you know, has a We all have careers, giant careers, because of those kinds of of decision making that's that, like you say, are courageous. And they don't always work. You know, it's it's you're taking a risk. Peter Jackson had also, I mean lord of the rings had been everywhere everybody closed the door on peter and and that's a very kind of famous story that bob tells peter came he new line was the last stop before peter was going to pack it in he had taken that. he kept saying there's two he took it to weinstein this is i don't know if you know this this is part of it and 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 harvey bought was going to do it and and peter did said it's two it's it's three wait what did he say it's two movies. And Harvey said, no, it isn't. It's one movie. And Peter kept saying, I'm telling you, it's gotta be two movies. He said, if you think you can, I'm, I'm pretending I'm Harvey Weinstein. You know, if you can, if Let's you can, not, if you, <laughs> you, you want to wait a minute, no, I won't. We won't go there. <laughs> if, if you really, okay. But anyway, he said, if you, if you, I'll give you 10 days, this is my understanding of the story. If you can find another company to make your movie in 10 days to make your two movies, I'll give you your movie back because he already owned it. Weinstein already owned it. So Peter went to everybody and Bob was the last stop. And and, and Bob, he came in, he did his whole presentation and Bob didn't say a word. And Peter just kind of at the end of the presentation, Bob just sort of sat there and Peter looked at him and he said, thank you very much. And he picked up his stuff and started walking out the door. And my brother said, it's not two movies, it's three movies and we want to make it. And so there you, you know, that's courage uh, and it was, you know, they, they, bank, they, sort of banked the whole company on making those three films. So Bob is, I don't even know what to say about They don't, they don't make it like, they don't make guys like that anymore. Yeah. And I don't think they do. And I think it, so kind of to answer your question, I don't think those, I don't think that exists anymore. Really? It's, there's too many other options. There's too many ways that people give up and say, well, we'll do a, a YouTube thing, <laughs> you know, or we'll do a, you know, we'll do a straight to video or, you know, we'll do a limited whatever. There's there's so many different options. And I think in 1968, 1970, 1972, 73, this all didn't exist yet. You know, it just didn't. It was like, you make your movie or you don't make your movie. And Bob would was definitely, he's also a brilliant person i mean his taste is so smart and so um he's got great intuition he's a tough guy still a tough guy i'm his sister you should well, <laughs> if you want to know how tough he is but yeah. <laughs> well, but that, that will remain within the family <laughs> like, yeah. but i love him love him i respect him probably almost more than anybody i can think of in terms of what he's managed to create in his life and um uh i remember when he brought home the logo for new line cinema you know i lived in i was living in the the, the railroad apartment in New York, I lived in the mole hole, we called it, it was a little room at the back of the, the apartment with 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 wallpaper. <laughs> that was where I lived when I was, I was at School at Columbia and Bob started, he brought home stationery that had New Line Cinema on it and this beautiful uh, logo. It's not the little uh, film that they use now, it was one before that, that was, and uh, started a company, you know, with, he borrowed some money and, built it really into a, an empire, not just for himself, but for all these actors and directors and producers who have since gone on to really, he, he really changed the face of the film industry.
0: And like you said, look out how many people have careers because of somebody's yeah. yeah,
2: 100%. And he was, the, 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 the buck stopped there. I mean, Bob was in charge of his company and, uh, Mike DeLuca was also, uh, you know, they were partners, that Mike was like one of the vice presidents. Mike is also a brilliant guy, and they parted ways at a certain point, um, which is typical, you know, that, that there's only room for one ego in a room when it fills the room. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, otherwise, you're going to the bathroom after. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> was, we're all good. Yeah. I,
0: Certainly, we'd love to be able to talk to Bob at some point, but, you know, folks, uh, we're going to end here, but so make sure you go out and see the call. The
2: call.
0: However you choose to see it, VOD, there's many different options, like Lynn said. Make sure you see it end of the day, that's for sure.
2: You won't be disappointed. It's scary and, and oddly soulful. I mean, you really, I think you'll love it. And Tobin and I are a, a, a wonderful troupe. Timothy, Timothy, team, I should say, Not we're not a whole troupe yet, we're just a team. But Timothy um, Woodward Jr. who directed it, Patrick Stibbs, wonderful actors. Um, Chester, um, Rush, rushing Chester, I should, I'm terrible with names. The, the lead actor, yeah, Chester is just fantastic in it. All the actors do a great job, and I should have a list of everybody, but you don't need the list. Just go watch it, and then you'll see the crawl at the end. They're all wonderful, wonderful, wonderful actors.
0: With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business.
1: That's the fact! Jack.
0: Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about.
2: Greetings, citizens. I'm Pierre Robert,
0: and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. Now, don't get too crazy.